the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning as hour number two is on way. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Monday, the 20th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. We are guest-free in hour number two. Great conversation with Dan Gaynor back in hour number one of the Media Research Center uh, as we talk about uh, wokeness and how wokeness continues to push its way into all of our lives and into all of our, onto all of our screens, whether they be television screens or movie screens or your cell phone screens. doesn't really matter. But a good conversation there. If you want to get in, we'll take you at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers is fine, and we'll get you here. First hour, we spent a good deal of time on Joe Manchin. So very happy and excited. In fact, we danced. We danced on live radio. You just didn't see me. But I was dancing when I was playing Celebration. To uh, Joe Manchin's statement yesterday to Brett Baer on uh, Fox News Sunday, that he is not going to allow Build Back Better to become law, not while he's in the Senate. So when you have these things coming at you the way they are right now, uh, I've always said this, Brett, if I can't go home and explain it to the people of West Virginia, I can't vote for it. And I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is, this is a no. This is a no on this legislation. And the left is just flipping their you-know-what over this. They are so outraged that somebody would put country over party, would put people over partisanship, uh, and that is exactly what has been done here. I want to just share a couple of these with you, and then I'll go back to your phone calls. But just a couple of these reactions from the far left um, after uh, uh, Manchin's announcement yesterday on, on Fox News Sunday. Um, maybe maybe one of the most outrageous came from Stam, uh, Sam Stein, an editor at Politico, leftist Politico, 
who complained that Manchin's decision is devastating for the planet. Quote, a lot of pro- a lot to process on the Manchin news, but from a substantive standpoint, it's just objectively devastating for the planet. The last best chance at climate change legislation is gone. That's a good thing. Lunatics on the left, that's a good thing. I'm not going to get into the entire climate change debate right now, but this this attempt to overthrow the American capitalist system, to destroy the American capitalist economy in order to build up a socialist-slash-Marxist economy centered on, on the Green New Deal, the devastation that that would have done to the, the middle class in this country is, is hard to re- even put into words. It really is. So I'm not going to have the climate change debate other than to point out something that I've pointed out on numerous occasions. And if you've been listening to me for any you know length of time, you've heard me point out the obvious, that in, in the history of this planet, in the history of this planet, this planet has frozen five different times. Five different times that scientists are aware of where the planet is frozen. They call them ice ages. Five different times this planet over the course of millions of years or thousands of years, depending on the the severity of the freeze, five different times the planet thawed out because it warmed. So it froze and thawed and froze and then warmed and thawed and then froze and then warmed and thawed. Five different times. Last time was 18,000 years ago. 18,000 years ago. Long before SUVs, long before power plants, long before people. Yet the Dems want to tell us how humans are responsible for the warming of the planet. Humans are responsible for the climate change. Human and their carbon output were responsible for, for climate change. Tell me how the planet froze and thawed five different times without human interaction or human intervention. Maybe, just maybe, that the planet and its cycles throughout its billions of years of existence and its relationship with the sun, maybe that's just a little bit out of our reach. Maybe that's just a little bit above our pay grade. Maybe we now know that the planet freezes and the planet warms and the climate changes on its own without the interference of man. I'm sorry to get down that, chase that uh, down the rabbit hole. Because I want to go back. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders' response to Manchin's decision said, uh, I hope that we will bring a strong bill to the floor of the Senate as soon as possible and let Mr. Manchin explain to the people of West Virginia why he doesn't have the guts to stand up to powerful special interests. I find that one a little hilarious because you know what Joe Manchin just did yesterday on national television on Fox News Sunday? He explained to the people of West Virginia and America why he is a no vote on Build Back Better Brandon. How about the response from Jihad Omar from Minnesota? Quote, let's be clear. Manchin's excuse is bull blank. She didn't say blank. She said the word. The people of West Virginia would directly benefit from child care, pre-Medicare expansion, and long-term care, just like Minnesotans. Liberal political commentator Ben Rhodes, who worked in the Obama administration, 
complained how Manchin's uh, decision derails Biden's climate change agenda also. If Manchin is serious, America may have just lost its last chance to make big investments in the fight against climate change, a fight that cannot be won. But here's my favorite. Hollywood, of course, has to get in. Rob Reiner, filmmaker and actor and meathead Rob Reiner, complained that Manchin may be even denying U.S. democracy. Quote, I don't remember marking my presidential ballot for Joe Manchin. He's single-handedly denying Americans environmental protection, pre-K, child care, affordable prescription drugs. If he kills voting rights, he will deny U.S. democracy. End quote. Does anybody want to explain to Meathead, Rob Reiner, that Joe Manchin is not king? That Joe Manchin isn't killing anything? Joe Manchin is one vote out of 100 on the Senate side. One out of 400, excuse me, 535 combined in the Congress. One vote. He and 50 others voted against this disastrous bill. He isn't killing anything. He is not your president. He is one man and one man who had the courage and the integrity to vote on behalf of the people of his state and the people of the country rather than on behalf of his party and their political agenda. All right, uh, let's see what we're going to do here. It's 1016. We're going to go to the phones. That's what we're going to do. And if I can pull up my call screen fast enough here, we're going to go to Jim, who's calling us from Cleveland first. Jim, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hello, Jim. Are you there? Hi. Gotcha. Hi, Bob. Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. This is uh, Jeff, actually, from Cleveland. And um, I just want to say that, uh, no, that's no problem. I just want to say that we should commend Joe Manchin by calling him, sending him uh, letters of support. I think it would be great if you would let your listeners know how we can support Joe Manchin, because there are a lot of folks, a lot of listeners in your audience and uh, Americans that want uh, to support Joe and don't want to see any of this, uh, any of this, the stuff that the idiots want to uh, promote to break our free market system. And Joe Manchin is right there preventing them from doing it. So I think that if you can tell us what we can do, that would be very helpful. And you're right on point as it relates to natural immunity and building up our immune systems to fight this COVID. Well, I'll tell you what, um, great, great points, Jim. You know, this is, and thanks, or Jeff, I'm sorry. It says Jim on my screen, and I went with it. I apologize, apologize, Jeff. Um, And thank you for the phone call, too. Um, This is what I said last January when I mentioned that, you know, what what we have to do to to be able to survive this time, this two-year period of unchecked Democrat rule. We have to check it with at least one Democrat, somebody on the Senate side in a 50-50 split who can tip it away from the most radical legislation. And I, what I said at the time was, and I even had Jim Jordan on the program, and I said, you know, I don't know if you have a relationship with anybody on the other side, you know, the other chamber, uh, for you know, because he's, of course, a House member and Manchin's on the Senate side, much less the other party. I said, but if there's any chance that you can cozy up and get a whole bunch of other people to cozy up to Joe Manchin, to speak with him. To speak with him civilly and reasonably and responsibly and to explain the dangers of what some of the leftist agenda was when Biden was was um, selected and, and, and handed the presidency. And they, of course, had the majorities in both houses of Congress. I said, we need him to stop the most radical stuff. Can you work with him? Can you cozy up to him a little bit? 
And Jim Jordan said, you know, to the extent that he could and that they could, they certainly would. They certainly try to be bipartisan and try to work in a, in a, you know, in a civil way with their opponents on the other side anyway. But I said in particular because of a, cer- a few certain things, including Green New Deal, including, you know, packing the court, including uh, statehood for D.C. and all these. Other. And um, the point was to make to make Joe Manchin understand that he is not surrounded by enemies, that people want to work with him and people will appreciate his willingness to do what is right for the country and not just for his party. So my, why did I bring all that up? Because you're right. It would be nice. Even though the really the only people he wants to hear from to say thank you, Joe, is, for, is from West Virginians, because those are the only ones who can vote for him. But if it, if it emboldens, encourages, um, you know, supports him in any way to keep doing what he's doing to hear from people outside the country, or excuse me, outside the state of West Virginia and from across the country, including bordering states like Ohio, then I completely concur. We should send messages. We should. And I'll dig something up here before the end of the show and give you what I've got as far as, uh, you know, I don't have any more access than you do to a search engine. But just go to DuckDuckGo and find Joe Manchin's information. If you want, I'll look it up for you, though. Okay, let's go to um, who's next? Rachel in Cleveland. Rachel, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoy your show. Thank you for calling. Um, I wanted to bring up two things. One, you had said you were getting another antibody test, and I wanted to know what the results of those are because I just passed my one-year mark of recovering from COVID, and I was interested to know. Did, did you get Did you get yours? I did not get – I'm I'm a very busy person. I have four little okay. kids, and I teach time so I didn't no no yet, no no I... that's fine I, yeah it's certainly not judgmental I just want to encourage you to do it uh, because I did it as well after about 13 months so I was about a month past actually about a half a month past my one year and I did get another antibodies test and it was I'm still swimming in antibodies uh, and I mean overloaded with them it's really an amazing thing um, so if so what I did is I got tested after six months after having COVID then now after like I said almost 13 months there is no waning in my my immunization my natural immunity whatsoever it is so much more powerful your body's ability to fight off infections after you have you know had a natural infection than these particular mrna vaccines could ever hope to be that's why after three months they're telling people you know booster 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 because they're waning well mine isn't waning and i promise you well she can't promise you i don't know you i assume however if you had COVID a year ago and you go get your antibodies tested right now, you will find yourself the same way, far more protected than anybody taking these profit jabs can ever be. I sure hope so, especially with that White House statement, which I don't believe in, but they said basically the unvaccinated are going to kill, we're going to die, and all of our families are going to die, which is an absurd statement from the White it, House. It, it is. It is, so, it is. it is beyond absurd, and, uh, and it's also beyond absurd to blame the unvaccinated for the troubles of the vaccinated, because if the vaccines actually work, then you would have nothing to fear from an unvaccinated 100%, person. hundred percent. hundred percent. I want to bring up something that you talked about last week, which I, think, I just think is so funny. Whenever they talk about boys playing girls sports or girls playing boys sports. I was an athlete my whole life. Um, I was a gymnast and I always say that I learned so many life skills, not just the, of being an athlete, but you know, dedication, hard work, things like that. And it was so funny. I was thinking as I was listening to your show last week that I learned something that I didn't realize that boys are different from girls in the gym that I used to practice in. There were boys and girls. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the sport, but there's, Six events for boys, 
and there's four events for girls. We share two events, floor exercise and um, vault, but they look very different. Um, and I could never do any of the events that the boys could do, and the boys would try and mess around with the balance beam, and they couldn't do the things that we could do. And it, and I'm not talking about big, you know, college, high school boys that are, uh, you know, very muscular. I'm talking about little boys, you know, when we were 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. And I couldn't do the rings, and they couldn't do the balance beam. And it, and it occurred to me when we used to joke around, oh, ha-ha, you can't do this, that, um, you know what, boys are different than girls. And I always left. I would love to see a male say he's a female and compete in women's gymnastics. That is such a great, great story to tell, and and so and so I'm so glad you did it because you're right. When we talk about natural, or excuse me, and 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 Rachel, I've got to let you go here. Thank you for the phone call. When we talk about natural body strength, size, stamina, bone density, lung capacity, and all of these things that favor the biological male. Generally speaking, we're talking about in doing the same things with respect to um, speed, with respect to power, with respect to strength, etc. Whenever they come into uh, competition with one another there, with very, very, very few exceptions, if any at all, the most elite male athletes are going to take the most elite female athletes apart. When you are talking about something like you are, you're talking about a very definite, specific type of skill. For example, the balance beam. Um, that maybe, maybe there's a male around somewhere, an actual male, who, if they trained on the balance beam the way girls do from the very beginning, maybe they could be as good. I don't know. But it's highly unlikely that a female is ever going to be able to do the rings. For example, the rings, which takes an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of upper body strength that just, quite frankly, most guys don't have, much less girls. The point being, you're right. This is what we have all been trying to say since the advent of girls' sports, girls' only sports, that boys are different than girls and girls are different than boys. And they have to remain separated like that. If everybody was brought together, there would be precious few opportunities for girls to ever compete and succeed in any of the competitions. Maybe the balance beam would be one of them, or they would. In fact, I'm not a gymnast. I'll take your word for it. They would. Overwhelmingly, it would be 99% to 1%. Women wouldn't have an opportunity. That's not fair. That's not equality. And what's the left's favorite buzzword of the day? That's certainly not equity either. That's the reason why if you're a biological male, I don't care how long you grow your hair or what shade of eyeshadow you put on. You race and compete against the boys. Girls compete against the girls. It's fundamental fairness. Because that's the way biology dictates it. Thank you, Rachel. Great phone call. I'll be right back. Okay, it's 1028. Let's get a couple more calls in before the bottom of the hour. Pete is calling us from Illyria. You're on AM 1420. The answer, Pete, go right ahead. Yeah, Bob, I, uh, I did not get tested, but I suspect I had Omicron last week. My fiancé tested positive Wednesday. And I had, like, a bad cold, aches, pains for about 36 hours. I'm back to normal. I mean, nothing. Did your fiancé have the, the Omicron variant also, or do you yes. know? Uh, yeah. How, how did she find nothing. that out? I'm curious, Pete. Because... She got tested. They told right. her she had Omicron. 
but but the PCR tests don't tell you what you have. They just tell you positive or negative for COVID. She so went to how the does doctor. she know it was Omicron? She was at the doctor's. I don't know. That's okay, Her doctor because, said that's what she had. I don't know if she actually had the, you know, if they actually they, had what they would have had to do, what they would have had to do, Pete, to find that out. And, and this is important because, you know, this, this is why I don't trust any of the reporting systems. Because a doctor will say... Well, you're positive, and I mean, may say you're positive, and right now the Omicron variant is the dominant variant that's going around here. So you're positive, and they're going to record her potentially as an Omicron uh, positive case. But they don't know that until they send that PCR test swab out to a special lab uh, to be able to determine what variant it is, because there is no PCR test that on its own can just be uh, test positive and say, oh, it's Delta, oh, it's original, oh, it's Omicron. So unless they actually had a reason to check to see if hers was Omicron, uh, then they just said positive for COVID and said over Omicron because that's the dominant one right now. And I don't think you can trust any of those things. I don't. <clears throat> that's why I wouldn't get tested. I didn't want to go in the system. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's a great point, too, because unless you are in a death's door, and I don't mean to say that literally, and I don't seem to mean to say that insensitively, but unless you feel just like utterly awful and you cannot take care of yourself, um, most of us, when we get cold symptoms, we treat it like colds and we stay home. We don't go to work that day. You know, we take something for our fever. If we have a fever, we take something for our sore throat. If that's what we have, you know, if you got muscle aches, you take some anti-inflammatories, maybe whatever the case might be. We don't to rush to the like doctors to say, yeah, we don't rush to the doctor to be told you've got a cold or that you be, or in this case, since Omicron is so mild that you have, you know, a variant of, of uh, COVID-19. I sweated it out just like a cold. Yeah, well, that's what most people do, and I don't even know if most people get fevers with it. The three most common side effects with Omicron that they're reporting are fatigue, which just means tiredness, uh, muscle soreness, and scratchy throat. They're not even talking fevers where people are sweating it out. So you might not have even had anything, Pete, other than, right. um, than, than literally you may have just had a, you know, a cold, a winter cold. Which is the quickest cold I ever had if it was. Yeah, which, which used to be a thing. You know, I mean, it's become a joke for for so many people. How many of us, when 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 you find out somebody in your family is coughing, sneezing, or whatever, or blowing their nose a lot, or whatever, you joke and you say, "Oh, you got COVID." It, it used to be you'd say, "Oh, you got you're getting sick, you got a cold," or "Oh, you maybe you're getting the flu," and now it's automatically default to COVID because that's what they have conditioned us to do. And that's why I'm glad you didn't go get tested. You didn't join the mob to say, "Oh, I got to go find out," because what's the difference? I- they're not going to send you home with anything other than tell you to go take over-the-counter medications anyway. So what's the difference whether you go get a swab up the nose or not? I don't know how many times I coughed last week and got dirty looks. Yeah, right, because they just assume that you were spreading the funk to everybody yeah. else. Pete, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Glad you're healthy. Hope your fi- fiancé is as well. 1031, right back. Dance all days. Please be aware, you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. What we're dealing with right now with the, the culture, we're living in a cultural revolution. Exactly what happened to China. China, they, they destroyed churches. They tore down statues. They, they destroyed their history and then worked their way to putting people in camps and killing them. So we, we've seen the first part of that. Thankfully, we've not seen the second part of it. Unlike China, we have a lot of people with guns. 
Dan Gaynor of the Media Research Center was on with me in the first hour. He's right. There are some similarities there, some comparisons to the Cultural Revolution uh, that overtook China and, um, quite frankly, enslaved the people. And they are, literally, when it comes to the Uyghur Muslims. But uh, if you don't see the parallels here between that and the United States, then I just think you're willingly closing your eyes. You don't want to see it. It's very important. All right, uh, appreciate you being with us at 10.39, 21 minutes of Outstanding Awesome left. We're going to go right back to the phones. I've got a lot of very important things to discuss with you, but let's see what you want to talk about. Mike in Cleveland. Mike, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Thanks for taking my phone call. i got two points that really stem from the manipulation of words. And the first word, or words, breakthrough case. These aren't breakthrough cases. They're vaccine failures. Why do we allow them to use those words? And the second point is, this is the new vaccine. And I've had vaccines up to this point where you can call me an anti-vaxxer because if the new vaccines from here on out mean that I can catch the virus, I can spread the virus, plus the vaccine itself can cause side effects that are worse than the disease, well, you can count me out of any vaccine from here on out then. Well, you know what? It's a, it's a great point you make, and I've been talking about this for a while now, too, Mike. Um, they've got to stop with this breakthrough case you know, vernacular. They're using that because they want you to think that it's still rare, that it's not wildly common. And in fact, when it comes to Omicron, numbers in numerous locations indicate that you are more likely to spread Omicron if you are vaccinated than if you are not and these arguments and these these lies of Joe Biden that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, it's all coming apart. It's unraveling at the seams. It's not a breakthrough case when you have, you know, two current senators, Warren and Booker have it, uh, have tested positive. Dozens and dozens of high-profile people in high-profile places like the National Football League are all double and triple vaccinated, yet they are testing positive. These aren't breakthroughs. This is, I think you worded it correctly. The vaccines have failed. They don't prevent infection. And if you want to say they may prevent and lessen the symptoms, go ahead. But that still doesn't explain why there are countless, well, I shouldn't say countless, while there is still an extraordinarily high number of um, vaccinated people who have tested positive who are both in hospitals and are dying from this. Breakthrough makes it sound like it's an insignificant small number of occasional one-offs or outliers. It's not anymore. There are far too many of them for them to call them breakthroughs anymore. These are indeed what you said. These are vaccine failures. It's definitely not. And then, like I said, to further this with the whole medical idea, is this what we have to expect from our medical people from here on out with all of our treatments? I mean, really, big pharma right now are the ones that are mishandling this who are getting all the money out of this. But is this what we have to expect in the future? Can we trust the medical field after this? Well, you know what? I'm glad you asked that. And, and Mike, I'm going to let you go here, and I want you to keep listening. I wasn't going to do this story today because it's lengthy, and I don't have time for it. But I want to give you just a very brief thumbnail sketch of this story. Mike just said, can we trust the medical community going forward the next time there's a you know, a viral outbreak and the need for vaccinations or whatever. <clears throat> and my answer to that question is, based on the evidence that we have been collecting now and in the last two years, my answer would be no. They can't be trusted, particularly if they are associated with the government. Because if when they're with the government, they're going to do the government's bidding rather than science and, and medical research's bidding. And here's the story. Maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. 
leaked emails which have come to light now between Dr. Anthony Fauci, the Grand Poobah, and the NIH director, they plotted to coordinate a, quote, devastating takedown, end quote, of three prominent epidemiologists who had a different way to deal with COVID. Almost from the outset, Fauci was under fire for flip-flopping on the relevance of face masks, how the virus is spread, social distancing rules, and so on and so forth. As multiple doctors and hospitals revealed success treating COVID patients with inexpensive therapeutics, drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, the media joined Dr. Fauci and Democrat lawmakers to mock them for touting the benefits of these life-saving treatments. Big tech like Facebook and Twitter, put fake news and misleading labels on articles posted by users that discuss these alternative vitamins, uh, vitamins and medications to fight the, uh, the, the Chinese flu. They even canceled the accounts of some people and wouldn't let them come back online if they're going to continue to talk about what doctors have found, what medical researchers had found about treating this. They censored and suppressed and, and suspended Uh, Many accounts. Well, now we find this. Multiple emails between Fauci and the former NIH director, Francis Collins, have been released showing a coordinated effort to take down doctors. Because everybody says, listen to the science. Listen to the medical research. Don't trust the politician. Don't trust the media member. Don't trust the talk show host, certainly. Trust the doctors. But what we have is doctors, experts in their field, being destroyed, having their reputations assaulted by Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins, those who are attempting to make sure that everyone gets vaccinated as opposed to treated for COVID-19. According to the Daily Mail, Dr. Fauci and Collins colluded with one another on a way to discredit an alternate plan on how to deal with COVID-19. These emails were tweeted out Saturday by Phil Magnus, Senior Research Faculty and Interim Research and Education Director at uh, the American Institute for Economic Research. And these emails show Fauci and Collins attempting to coordinate a takedown of the Great Barrington Declaration. In an October 8th email from Collins to Fauci, The head of the NIH called the Great Barrington Declaration the work of three fringe epidemiologists that seemed to be getting a lot of attention. Fringe epidemiologists. Who are these three fringe epidemiologists that they decided had to be canceled from the medical community? Well, Dr. Martin Kaldorf, president of medicine at Harvard University. I'm sorry, not president. I'm stupid. Professor Martin Koldorf, professor of medicine at Harvard University, a biostatistician and epidemiologist with expertise in detecting and monitoring infectious disease outbreaks and vaccine safety evaluations. Never before in his professional career, I would wager, has Dr. Koldorf been called a fringe epidemiologist with those credentials at Harvard. The second is Dr. Sunitra Gupta, professor at Oxford University in England, an epidemiologist with expertise in immunology, vaccine development, and mathematical modeling of infectious diseases. Again, an expert in his field. And it's this field 
being dismissed by Fauci and Collins as being a fringe epidemiologist. And Dr. Jay Batakara, professor at Stanford Medical School, physician, epidemiologist, health economist, and public health safety or policy expert, focusing on infectious diseases and vulnerable populations. This email exchange between Fauci and Collins shows a concerted effort to deny the credentials of these doctors who are finding much better results in treating COVID-19 with these therapeutics, along with later on, when they became available, monoclonal antibodies from people who have, uh, which mirror people who have, have uh, natural immunity with their own antibodies, um, they, had to, they had to crush this dissent. They had to crush this dissent. Collins then sent Fauci an op-ed in The Nation, which trashed the Great Barrington uh, Declaration. Uh, focused protection, herd immunity, and other deadly delusions. Abandoning solidarity for the siren song of age-targeted reopening is a political error and a medical mistake. And they praised that to one another. Fauci said, um, actually going back, Collins said, in uh, in his email to Fauci, he emailed him a Washington Post op-ed that he quoted, um, in which he's quoted, rather, headline, Proposal to hasten herd immunity to the coronavirus grabs White House attention but appalls top scientists. Collins said, my quotes are accurate but will not be appreciated by the White House. Fauci said, they're too busy with other things to worry about this. What you said was entirely correct. Uh, these go on and on. I told you this was a long story, which is why I wasn't going to do it today. But the bottom line is this. The Great Barrington Declaration consists of a plethora of some of the top epidemiologists and experts in the field of immunology and um, uh, vulnerable populations to viral outbreaks. Some of the top people in the world got together and wrote the Great Barrington Declaration. And all of those doctors are being told, or rather, the people of this country and also around the world are being told that those doctors are quacks. Those doctors aren't science. Dr. Fauci is science. Those doctors don't count because they came up with a different uh, analysis and different results of their studies than we did. So we need to destroy them. And they proceeded to have everybody, with the help of the government and big tech, Everybody who cited Dr. Batakara, everybody who cited Dr. Gupta, everybody who cited um, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Kaldorf, anybody who cited those individuals had their stuff removed from social media. So that then Fauci and the others could say, we are science. I am science. Criticize me and you're criticizing science. Well, science doesn't cancel other scientists. Science does not just destroy other science. It, it, it tests itself. It compares itself. And true scientists are not afraid of other results that might prove theirs invalid. But that's exactly what has happened here. And these emails show that coordinated, that collusion between Fauci and the NIH director to crush the best scientists in the world when it comes to these, uh, these um, uh, viral outbreaks. So... Bottom line here 
is when they tell you, listen to the science, listen to the doctors, don't listen to politicians and talk shows and so forth. Okay, as long as they will allow the doctors to be heard and not just the, the Fauci doctors that say jab, 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 jab. Nine, nine boosters later, you should be good until the next variant. Then it's three more, jab, jab, jab. As long as we're allowed to listen to all of the doctors and all of the science, and then what? Then make up our own minds as to whether or not we want to be treated or whether we want to be jabbed, particularly considering the extraordinary number of adverse side effects that people are enduring, as reported by the VAERS reporting system, due to those jabs. All right, Mike got me off on that tangent there when he said, you know, can we trust the doctors going forward? And my answer is no, not until they allow us to hear all of the doctors. And don't just tell us, top doctors say that you should get jabbed 15 times and wear masks over your face four times over and never come in, come within you know, 20 feet of somebody else. If that's the kind of crap they're going to give us, then no, we can't ever trust the doctors. We trust the doctors when we listen to all of the doctors and then make up our own minds. I'll be right back. All right, 1055, final segment, always a short one, but we try to make the most of it the best that we can. <clears throat> See if we can get some phone calls in here. Uh, we're going to go to, if I can pull up my screen, and I keep having a few problems with that today. Tom in Medina, I believe, is up next. Tom, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Tom, go ahead. Hey, Bob, I wanted to know, you spoke at the Ohio Freedom Fighters, Douglas D. Frank spoke at the Ohio Freedom Fighters. Do you know any groups in Ohio that are organized to fight for the election integrity in Ohio, like around here? Organized groups specifically targeting election integrity? That's what you're asking? Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, they're still fighting against all the ways the, the elections are held in other states. They're still fighting to get get the vote, the voting, the system... Uh, Straightened out, it's a mess. Our system is a mess, Bob. You know, I yeah. told you that. No, I, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, Tom. Um, to answer your question, though, is there a specific group that I'm aware of that is specifically focused on election integrity? I would say no. There are a number of groups, though, that are interested in a lot of other uh, avenues, uh, I suppose, that also include the fight. You know, uh, to to make sure that our, our our elections are free and fair in this state and beyond, but I don't know of any, any that are specifically uh, centered on that. Well, I, I tried to present you a bunch of evidence because you told me at one time you were going to get Frank LaRose back on the air to talk about whether our machines are on the Internet or not. Because Yeah, well, you know what, that actually, that, that, that actually was supposed to happen last week. <clears throat> I spoke with uh, Frank, Frank LaRose's office last week, and then he had, I can't remember the conflict, but there was a conflict. He couldn't appear on the air. He could only do it as if he pre-recorded. We couldn't pre-record, so we're going to get him on ASAP on that. But he, he, he just had a, um, 
he just had he just had a little um uh, uh, a public press gathering, if you will, last week about Cuyahoga County, if I'm not mistaken, about Cuyahoga County ballots and about um, uh, kind of doing a not necessarily an audit, but basically an overview of Cuyahoga County machines. Did you see that last week? No, I missed that. Okay, um, yeah, that that was one of the reasons I was speaking to his office to have him on to talk about that. I just, um, but like I said, we didn't have an opportunity to do, to do it. But he essentially said just uh, just last week um, when he, I, I think it was at the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections. Yeah, it was a week ago today. It was last Monday. I'm just trying to find my notes here as I uh, as I talk to you live. So I apologize for this, but uh, yeah, it was at the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections warehouse. They were conducting an audit of the November election. Uh, oh, this was just of the off, mid or the off year election from uh, from last month. So this was just to see if there were any claims of voter fraud, or voter fraud, or voting voter voting irregularities, or any of those other things uh, from this past month to see if there was anything to be aware of. So Wait, that's that's all. Is, is he up for re-election this year? He is up in 2022 i believe uh yeah i believe he is okay. up in 2022 in the attorney general too um i'm not certain i'm not i'm not certain about yost i i don't know for sure i'll look into that. i gotta go here tom i appreciate the call but i just realized we're up against it here thanks for the call thanks to everybody we'll look that up and talk about it more tomorrow be well be safe and let's go brandon Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.